Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There are two things that we know for sure about money and finance or investing. One, no one really talks about it. Financial literacy is incredibly low. Number two, it is one of the most important things in our lives after health. So much of what we build and the scaffolding we put in place for what is a successful life, we use the bits and pieces that society has given us. You need a big house, you need a fast car, you need all this sort of stuff. Being wealthy is actually just a state of mind. A lot of people come up with budgeting books and they talk about sacrifice. They're like, what are you prepared to sacrifice? The best way to think about money is to rearrange priorities and to put the things on your list that matter to you and your happiness because then it's not painful. Because then you're making a conscious choice to go and do this thing because it's actually what you want. You're actually moving towards something. There's shame in talking about the bad stuff and then there's ego in talking about the positive stuff. This is like really unfair because the people who need this information the most are the people that are most likely to be vulnerable to this. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amrit Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid, subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired. Keep evolving. Welcome back to the Inspired Evolution. And we have with us today, I'm going to say Owen Rask, but I know I'm shortening your last name because the whole world does too. How do I say Raskowicz? Did I say yeah, it right? Close, except a W uh, in Polish is two Vs, so it's Raskowicz. Ah, Raskowicz. Very- uh- yeah, almost close. had it. I almost had it. But everything online goes by Rask. Um, mm. Yeah, the mate, you've done so much in the world. Founder of Rask and lead analyst.
journalist for Ras Core. Owen is the host and co-host of four top podcast series. And mate, I was saying to you before, I find it hard enough to manage one times and here you are going with four of them you've had over 150,000 listeners tuning in on the regular and uh, yeah you founded rask media best etfs and rask education mate thank you so much for playing ball and doing this here with us today no worries mate i didn't realize you're a fellow melbourneite like me so i'm, I'm very very pleased to see you um in and around melbourne uh, yeah, me. I think I think you were having your coffee there before as well, and I was like, yeah, this is definitely <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh it's definitely a Melbourne thing. I um I was speaking to my mentor actually it was around my place the other day, and he goes, oh, I went to Italy and I had um some of the coffee was good and some of the coffee was really average, and the best coffee I had, I was like, oh my god, this is the best coffee I've had, and he's like, yeah, I was trained in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we got, right? We got the cold weather, but we got the coffee. Yeah, you got to keep your hands warm somehow, right? So. Yeah, <laughs> Um, Owen, I'd love to tune in deep, but I, you know, let's start from just the point of you're doing so much in the world of helping people like you've got four different podcasts, business, investing, mate, what is your mission in life? Would you say, um, for those that are tuning in? Yeah, I think, um, once again, thanks for having me. I think, you know, my purpose, I think when I think about my career, at least in just life generally is to have the greatest possible positive impact on people and so I I find a lot of meaning in that so whatever way I can have a positive impact I want to do that and for me building the business and the network that we have has been the greatest expression of that so um, we were able we are able to help people with their finances and with their money which is a really important thing which I'm sure we'll discuss but I kind of find I, I just get up every day and I skip to work for the analogy as you probably heard before, like I skip to work. I'm very happy. I want to, I want to work because I find it meaningful. And I think one of the tests of, of work is whether you would still do the job that you're in now, uh, even if you weren't paid. And I think no matter what I, I would, I mean, there might be some things that I do a little bit differently, but probably 99% of it is exactly the same thing that I'd be doing. Even if I had a hundred billion dollars and you know, I didn't need to work, I would still do the same thing. And so Purpose for me is really important and doing something every day that I want to do. And fortunately, I feel like I already am, whereas a lot of people aspire for that, like the hedonic treadmill, um, whereas I feel like I'm doing that every day. So for me, to be able to impact people the way we do, um, to be able to do something that I love, I don't think there's much more I could ask for in that respect. So that's why I do it, mate. And that's why I'm here. Oh, did you chance into it like was it an accident that you've just found you're calling and doing what you love or was it actually uh, it's, it's hard because you're an Aussie and <laughs> just got so much sorry I was gonna say did you eat some shit along the way <laughs> I was like you can't say that on a podcast <laughs> not everybody's gonna understand that because they're not all from Australia um have you had your fair share of challenges along the way <laughs> yeah. that caused you to sort of pivot back into finding what you really love doing yeah yeah um so I think like there's like a bunch of if we think about like the psychological side of human nature and what we do, um, there are a lot of things in life that either push us towards something or pull us uh, like send us away from something. So what I mean like the push and pull is like some of the defense mechanisms that we have as human beings are like uh, the ability to like live with denial or to live with uh, something called sublimation. So sublimation is this idea, which you've probably come across many times before. 
sublimation is this idea that we take a, a point of anxiety or like a coping strategy and we turn it into something positive based on what society's expectations are. So if that's very true for me, what I mean specifically is like if you have something in your life which you're ashamed of or maybe you had some childhood trauma, um, you can take that anxiety and take that energy and you can turn it into something that you think is right based on that external compass of society. And so for me, for example, growing up, um, never had anyone interested in money in my family. It was a massive point of anxiety. Um, so I remember when we used to do these things called Rask Treats. It's like a play on retreat and Rask. And it's where we'd go away for like three or four days every year as a team. And we'll kind of reset our values and adjust our values. And as a team, we would kind of like augment ourselves to like the next challenge on the road to our journey um, and our mission overall. And um, as part of that, we do this exercise where everyone in the team, literally every single person has to get up in front of everyone uh, for five minutes and make a presentation about something that cannot be related to their work or their study. And so some people talk about like how to apply a bandage when you get bitten by a snake. Other people talk about, which is a very Australian thing. <laughs> um, and then people may talk about like bees and how bees, you know, pollinate things and how important they are to the world. It doesn't really matter. Right. But I remember what I spoke about at the most recent one and the way I opened it was that I said that Rask was born out of anxiety. So the whole thing is built on my anxiety and my anxiety around money. So my family, like I said, didn't grow. I didn't grow up with it. Um, I'm the first person in my direct family to go to university. Um, none of them really invested, although dad did say that back in the day he did. I grew up on a farm, so I was taught the value of hard work. My parents split up and that divorce, if you like, took six years. So it was like really messy. Um, and that had a lot of impacts on me and my relationships with family. And so all of these things basically fall under that umbrella of sublimation. Like I took this huge anxiety in my life and then I channeled it towards something that I thought society would find um, to their approval. So things like, well, I I was so scared of the concept of money and investing that I thought I could never do it. But I knew I'd, it's what people in society would do. So I went out and built a entire company based on that <laughs> to try and overcome that imposter syndrome and it wasn't until I started working with a coach actually and working with a psych uh, hand in hand and that was only a couple of years ago that I realized that hold on a second I'm running away from something I am like being pushed away from something this anxiety I'm not moving towards something so I'm not getting traction towards something that I really want in life I'm running away it's from an something. aversion tactic yeah exactly and um I, I you know I I started Rask with the idea that um, that when you go to find like find out about money and find out about how to educate yourself and get good with money, save and invest and do all these types of things, which we kind of know are healthy, but we've always had an inability to do it, um, you would get sucked into this deeply conflicted world. And what I mean by that is like, imagine you go like strategies to save money and you go to like a bank's website, right? And they present you with basically just, just marketing. It's just marketing for their bank accounts and their Crocs, loans. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to change that. I thought this is like really unfair because the people who need this information the most are the people that are most likely to be vulnerable to this. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wanted to change that and I still want to change that today. And um, I think for the most part, we're, we're doing a pretty good job because 
Yeah, we've yeah, like you said, we 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 reach over. I think across our brands now, we'd probably reach close to three hundred thousand people. Um, and so in a like a place like Australia and New Zealand, it's not that big of an audience. Uh, so like it's not like a dressable yeah, bigger pie. <laughs> yeah, but um, <laughs> for us to reach such a such a large number of people is really humbling. And so did I did I stumble on it? Maybe, but um, I was very very fortunate along the way. Like I remember. Um, so they say your first job out of university or your first job out of school is the most influential on in you. And I just happened to end up uh, working with a mate. We were just studying remotely. He was studying online. I was studying online. And we got an email from this company called The Motley Fool, which is an American company. And it's an Australian company. It's, and it's known for different reasons. Like it's sometimes known for super aggressive marketing and whatever, which is probably what worked on us, to be honest. Um, but uh, it was voted for two years in a row the number one place in the world to work for. And we happened to be there the Do year before. Period. Yeah, so it was all you guys. <laughs> you created <laughs> no, we a culture. Were, yeah, it was a charge. Yeah. <laughs> no, we just happened to walk into. Like, no, imagine yeah. how blessed we are, right? Like, to yeah, walk course. into a place where that the happened. vibes were good. Yeah, yeah, and so people that genuinely wanted to help other people. So, um, like, I, I'd imagine like a different um, world where my pathway ended up at the opposite of that, like into one of those banks or places like that where. It wasn't set up that way. What would my, what would where would I be? Like, what would my destination be? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, it's it's a massive dose of luck, um, as well as kind of hard work, and um, so far so good. Mm. What's been the most interesting part? Because you've <laughs> very diverse. Well, it all centers around financial literacy in, in many ways, a lot like all your work, whether it's investment, whether it's business, um, at the heart of it, that's maybe what I pick up and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but what's been some of the most interesting parts, not number wise, like I think there's plenty of places you've been online where, you know, you talk shop and you talk numbers very transparently and very openly actually, which is super refreshing. And I think there's a massive value add that you give that way. I think, um, takes, yeah, it takes, yeah, I want to, I want to say the word courage, but uh, there's a lot of transparency in there, um, which is just refreshing. I'm not sure if it takes courage or not from your end. Um, but the key thing in there is I want to ask more about what are some of the interesting pieces you found when it comes to people and potentially investing or even just having financial literacy? Cause yeah, it's something I even recently find myself going, I need to continuously grow my financial literacy and my options and how I actually, what what do I do with this now? And now I'm a dad and what do I, what am I meant to do with that? And like, it's just something that continuously grows. But the, even the information trickles down to me in choppy ways, um, I notice. Um, it's not something I was really taught at school, even though I was great with numbers and I was an engineer. Um yeah, what do you find? Like, what are some of the most interesting things that you find about the human behavior around um, people and their limitations to financial literacy? Yeah, I think the the overwhelming thing is like there are two things that we know for sure about money and finance or investing. However, like I'll use those terms interchangeably, uh, but I think the two things that we know for sure is one, no one really talks about it, um, so there's, the financial literacy is incredibly low. And number two, it is one of the most, if probably the second most important thing in our lives after health, mm. like health being relationships as well, right? Um, it's like so important. 
and we know so little about it because no one wants to talk about it, right? So that's um, a bit nuts when you put it that cleanly, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's true, and this is like a universal thing. Um, it's probably maybe a little bit different in some Asian cultures um, where it's not really something that's talked about a lot, but it is it is something that is shared. So like, more. Yeah. yeah, it's acknowledged in the sense that everyone strives towards it and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Whereas in some Western cultures, it is definitely something that you don't talk about money, whether good or bad, because um, there's shame in talking about the bad stuff and then there's ego in talking about the positive stuff. And so a lot of the times people come to us and I think one of the reasons our podcasts have been so successful is because you can listen to other people talking about money and you don't have to share. So you can get the education without feeling like you're vulnerable, uh, which is a huge advantage for anyone who is like more inclined to be private with their finances and in line with like the historical norms. And that's completely fine. Um, And what we do to break down that barrier is we actually bring people on the show occasionally and they will share how they feel about money in their journey like we've had some really interesting stories of people that have like been international students and have had to migrate here for one reason or another and get citizenship and um, learn to you know I remember one story that we heard was uh, one of the guys basically lived off you know the student unions or student societies at universities where they do like a sausage sizzle or give away a donut once a week or something like this. Like he would basically live off that because he didn't have enough money to support himself outside of study. So, um, so those types of stories are really valuable and reflect refreshing for us. And then the other thing, like once you, once you get further on your journey, so that's like the, the initial stages and realizing how important it is and what have you, but when it comes to investing money, so in the first instance, obviously we want to save money and we want to pay down debt and do all that sort of stuff. But uh, I'd say about 90, I think it's about 90 to 95% of our audience are actually investors, whether they invest $5 or whether they invest $500,000, they're investors. Uh, And what I've found with those people is that um, our general rule of thumb is that everyone should expect that it's a three-year apprenticeship. So apprenticeship being like you would study to be a carpenter, uh, whereas hands-on, so you would work for another carpenter who's fully qualified and they would help you to upskill and train. And it's literally on-the-job training. And I think a lot of people, when it comes to investing money, they they think that they can just read an endless number of books, uh, which is a fantastic way to start because the principles rarely change. But until you've actually done it, you don't know what it feels like. And so I can tell you what it feels like, whether you're investing $10 or $100, it feels scary, uh, even just to have anything like we know, like a when you put your money with the bank, you might get a little bit of interest uh, and it might go from $1,000 to $1,050 at the end of the year. But when it's investing, you might end the year with a thousand or $1,100. So you make twice as much, but to get to that point A to point B, you have to take a, a stop at, you know, $900 and then $1,200 and then back down again. So, mm-hmm it's like a roller coaster, And I think a lot of people kind of miss that. And so what we say is like aim for three years, just as long as you stay invested and you learn for three years, you will have a skill. And I, I, I kind of have this belief, I can't guarantee it, but I, I have this belief that if you get through that three year period of like this curiosity period, you will retire wealthy, whatever way you want to define that. And I'm happy to define 
well, ha- happy to frame that because the idea of wealth is something that I think is misunderstood greatly mm-hmm. uh, throughout society. Yeah, tell us what your frame on wealth is, but yeah, so like, uh, so Ramit Sadie talks about this a bit uh, in in his books and uh, podcasts, sorry, and uh, on they did a recent Netflix uh, series, well, I think it's like um, How to Live Your Rich Life or something like this. And this is not necessarily something new or something that Ramit has come up with, but um, the idea is that when you so much of what we build and the scaffolding we put in place for what is a successful life, we we kind of we use the, the the bits and pieces that society has given us. Like you need a big house, you need a fast car, you need all this sort of stuff. Uh, but actually, being wealthy is actually just a state of mind. And financially, the way that looks is pretty simple. And we do this exercise with our community, which is we just get them to sit down with a simple piece of paper. And it's got like two squares or like just divide the, the piece of paper into. Uh, and on the top, it says like, just describe your ideal Tuesday. And then on the bottom, it says, describe your ideal Saturday. And obviously those are two deliberate days. Like Tuesday is typically a day of work and Saturday is typically a day of rest or when you do your life admin and catch up with your family and do all that. And what you'll be surprised to see is as people go through this process and they go, okay, I wake up on a Tuesday. I'd love to go for a run, like an early morning run. I'll come back. I'll have a shower. I'll, you know, get breakfast sorted for the kids and get them sorted, get them ready for school. And then I'll go to work myself and I'll have some meaningful work. Uh, I'll come home, pick up the kids, make dinner, uh, make sure that they're okay with the dog or whatever you've got. And then I'll watch some Netflix on the, the couch with my partner and go to bed. And if you think about that, like that, uh, that what I just described is probably pretty close to like most people, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not <laughs> extremely that far out of reach. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And that's probably what people want in life is mm. they want connection they want routine, they want purpose, and they want some like family around them. And for Saturdays, it could be a bit more different. Like there might be like a brunch, depending on how old you are. Uh, there might be like sports. There might be like for me, it's just gardening and, and doing things around the house. Um, I just love that stuff. And then catching up with family. And so, what we find when most people do this activity is that most of them are very, very close to their ideal lifestyle already. Yeah, mm. already. And then what happens is they kind of lose that, the envy or the, the jealousy style, uh, I guess, emotion that comes into life. Like, oh, I wish I had that Mercedes Benz or I wish I had that big house because they realize it's not actually that important to them to have all those things. And so they don't need to work necessarily in jobs that they thought they needed or they don't need to take on so much responsibility at work because they've already got the comfortable lifestyle that they really want. Uh, and sure, all those things, those other things might matter. And so what we, another exercise that we get, and it is, uh, this one is a bit of a derivation of what Ramit has come up with, which is that. Um... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We get three columns. Uh, you can use the back side of that same piece of paper or your notes app on your phone. And we get people to list in order um, from one to ten the things they spend the most money on. And then the next thing is like the things that they spend the most time on. And then the third column, it's the thing that brings you the most joy or happiness. And what we find is that when you draw a line between the different columns and you connect them, there's a lot of people spend on some things that they don't really get happiness from. So like a car is a, is a common one. Uh, people spend money on big nights out when they're younger and they don't really get that much happiness from it it's it's good while it lasts but they don't get happiness from it Uh, and so then it's a really simple equation from there right so you've got this these two things in front of you okay i'm living this life and this is what i want to live and then we've got our spending and not just people don't just spend money they also spend time on things so that's a that's a really important distinction because People think it's just where I spend my money, but it's also where you spend your time and you invest your time. And what we can do with this very simple information is we can basically restructure how people think about their life and why it's really just a state of mind, like trying to be trying to live a rich life or a wealthy life. It's actually not about the dollar figure. It's just about what you're doing and what you're aspiring to. And you know, we we find that so many people after they do this activity, they're really content with themselves, which is amazing. And I know I'm not saying anything new to you, mate, because you're you're in this world. But for people that haven't seen a coach before, like this is what a coach can help you with if you stuck get stuck with this stuff. And for me, that changed my life, uh, and I just wish I knew it sooner. Yeah, because even as you're talking, <laughs> and you mentioned coaching, I love it because it's um obviously I'm biased, but the the piece about like half, well, I would say even the majority of people listening into this right now will not do that exercise. And that just blows me away, right? It's like that alone, like you drawing the lines, like third, three columns, you know, where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my money? Like what's most, what's most money spent? What's most time spent and what's most joy like come from? And my, like, I've done something similar in the past and just gone, oh, holy shit, my whole life should just revolve around my guitar because that's where I'm like the happiest, right? Just playing my guitar. And I've got a nice enough guitar. Like, sure, it was a couple of grand, but it wasn't like, you know, it doesn't need to be that expensive either. Um, Admittedly, there are $50,000 guitars out there in the world as well. Um, But nonetheless, like you start to really come home. And what I will go as far as saying is you can hear us talk about it and go, oh, yeah, that is probably true. But there's something very different, right? Like until you're actually writing down your own case scenario, pen to paper. And I don't, I look at it as somewhat spiritual. I don't know what it is, but like you're taking something out of your head, using ink and drawing it into the 3D reality of paper. There is some sort of alchemical process that's going on. Maybe I'm like making it bigger than it is, but something happens when you do the exercise for yourself, pen to paper and tune in. And I'm conscious even after I've said this, 
still some of those people listening <laughs> will not go and do it. And therefore, like sometimes you just, if you're not going to be that and then get, a, get get some accountability, get a coach, and it just really helps just move the needle on those little things. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It does. And there's no there's no shame in that either. Like I, I use a coach for accountability. Like I know that, you know, I'm much more accountable to people than I am tasks in my head. So I leverage that consistently as well. Going back to the the first one as well, you know, the um, this is what my Tuesdays look like and this is what my Saturdays look like. I love that exercise. What um, it seems, I don't want to sort of frame it this way, but I'm just going to run with it because it's how it's going to come out of my mouth. But it seems a bit millennial to sort of say, hey, like, you know, I'm pretty content with less. Um, like, like your, your thoughts on hunger, uh, because it's, you know, hunger seems to be a thing that, you know, in the entrepreneurial space, that sort of hustle culture is very, um, evangelized, I guess. Um, and then when you do like the, the Tuesday, Saturday exercise, as you're pretty close to where, you know, you already are, what space is there for hunger then? Um, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, um, I think it's totally acceptable and I, I praise everyone who has the kind of more growth mindset i just love it like if someone wants to come to me like this i'll be fully transparent if if you're watching this and you come to me and you say hey Owen, i've got this really good idea for a business even if it's pretty crap i'll still say to you go and pursue it like i will like just pursue it in your spare time because i think no matter what happens i think only good can come from striving healthily for more and what i mean why inserted healthily is because a lot of people don't understand why they do something like start with why all that sort of stuff um and so a lot of people do start businesses like in my case they they start a business uh without a true comprehension of what it's going to take and secondly um they don't know what they're if they're running away from something or going towards something and so I think that's why I think a coach can help frame that. Um, and I think even, or even a psychologist, to be honest, and you mentioned like, um, I guess the, the millennial aspect here is like a lot of older people didn't really have a chance to talk about this type of thing before they started a business. Like there's like the pragmatist worker kind of mindset where it's just like you get a job, then you work really, 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 really hard. And it takes away from your family life and then you come out the other end and you've probably got a business that's good, right? Um, And you've got a little bit of money behind you to retire. And I just think if someone corrected that course just a little bit and said, hey, is this actually what you want to do in life? And is this how you want to spend your life? Is this whatever? I think those people would be much happier um, still having that bit of hunger, but also doing it with the guardrails of like what brings me happiness in life. And um, my mother-in-law has this saying about work. Um, She's had cancer twice and survived it. And um, she has this saying that um, on your tombstone, it won't say the best worker. Like it just won't, it just won't, it just won't say that. Like, like how many of them say that? It might say like a great mum, sister, brother, auntie, grandfather, whatever. Mm. Um, But it probably won't say, brilliant like employee of the month in 2022 (laughs) it probably won't say that right so go ahead and be hungry and 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 i think to be honest like i spend a lot of my time trying to figure out where people's incentives are and if your incentive is to make a shed load of money good on you good for you like don't be ashamed of that just go and make it like do it and be hungry for the money like if that's what motivates you 
do it. Like, absolutely. But just know that like, there is a limit that won't, the money in itself doesn't bring happiness. Like every study shows that. Um, but if that is what truly motivates you, do it. Uh, if it motivates you to be fit and healthy or be a bodybuilder, go and do that too. But just identify what that is and why you like it. Um, I think a lot of people find like particularly older people, this is a very stereotypical thing for me to say, so I'm generalizing here. But what I've found is that when people are in this situation is um, when they get questioned on why they might like something, they tend to be almost like a little bit offended that you're questioning why they might want money or why they might want to start a business or why they might. But really, it's just a chance for you to understand and unpack it so that then you can rebuild it in a better way. And I think that's a really important process for anyone to take. Um, like, don't back down from what you truly want, but just be open-minded. And um, if money is your motivator, if like, if just, yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with that. And I think from, in terms of hunger, like I am definitely an incredibly hungry person and there's still a lot of anxiety that drives that. But there's also a lot of, um, I think nowadays there is more positive intent rather than like avoidance. And so like, like a lot of, it's probably not healthy, the amount of hunger that I have, to be honest. Um, <laughs> like everyone kind of sees that around me except <laughs> me. But uh, um, yeah, I... I I think about it and I actually love the way that I live. So I love like when I was going through uni, I, I stacked two master's degrees on top of each other and did like advanced diplomas and diplomas and, and started a business and did another thing. Like I, that's just the way I live my life. And I'm quite content with that being like hyper hungry. Um, as you get older, things change a bit and that's okay. Um, but it, and it, just to be aware of that. But I think like in terms of hunger, it's really important for most people to have that purpose because uh, without it, you might just end on that, that treadmill um, where you don't feel like you have that, that alignment with your life. I think Marshall Goldsmith talks about that. Yeah, which I, I find really interesting as well, because I've noticed that if we don't tune in, like, it's like if there's not an attunement to our own hunger and what we really want to go for, um, because I think I share a sort of bond with you there, which is there's this hunger for impact at the very least, <laughs> um, which is kind of um, what drives me massively in this space and we can unpack why as well. But I think if um, what I've noticed is if we don't define our hunger or our trajectory, then it's just you've got I don't want to say you've got no base or no core or no center, but it it feels like that because everybody else's agenda then becomes your agenda, right? And then you and then you just like like you said the hedonic treadmill, you just bloody on it. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just yeah, yeah. It's it's something. It it can be if it's your friend or your family member, and and you go to them like, hey, I've got this idea. Do you want to do it? And they're like, oh no, actually, I don't want to do that thing. It can be kind of frustrating because you're like, well, don't you see the thing that I see? And it's just a reminder that everyone's different. And I have a lot of respect for people that kind of have that discipline around what their core values are and what their kind of mission is, um, even if it's just their weekly mission of to go away on the weekend rather than catch up with you or something like this, like that, like respect to them for doing that. I think like for the most part, I think people just don't have that understanding of the, the, the value set that it makes them... Um, whole I guess I'll give you in the professional context I'll give you another activity um, which came to me from Andrea Clark who is actually um, a Queensland native I believe uh, and she works with 
corporates and, and things like this. And she says that if you just imagine that you're not in the room uh, at your workplace, so you're not in the office or wherever you work, and what are the three things that your colleagues would say about you as a, as a worker, like as a team member? What were the three things? And what are the three things that you want to be known for? And how do they match up? Um, and it's just a way to conduct yourself each day in terms of like how, like the outward facing aspect of what you do and what you represent uh, and why it's really important. And I remember I asked my co-host uh, live on air uh, what she thought and it's probably a bit of an experiment. <laughs> and she said, one of the things that she said was scattered, um, which I'd probably say is pretty common amongst most business owners, to be honest. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't necessarily the most endearing term to me, but it was <laughs> revealing. And it made me, it reminded me that, you know, um, we have this view of ourselves in our head, but the the society may have a different view. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. And you just need to be comfortable that you may be uncomfortable at times if you do take this path where you live intentionally. But I, I, I'll give you one more anecdote as it relates to finance, which is that once you know what you really want in life, it's actually surprisingly easy to do the things like budgeting. Like I've always been surprised that the designers in my life are seem to be good with money. Like that's a, again, a generalization, but people who work in like graphic design or these types of fields tend to have a pretty good appreciation for designing things naturally, right? So they design their ideal Tuesdays, they design their days and, and, and what have you. And once they know what they want, they tend to realize that the way we are with money and with our time, because we invest both of those things, what they tend to find is that with a limited means, because we all have limited money and with limited time, the only thing we can do is really rearrange. Like a, a lot of people budget, um, come up with budgeting books and they talk about sacrifice. They're like, what are you prepared to sacrifice? And I used to think that that was a thing because it felt painful when I had to like give up my uh, coffee and not do that because I needed to save for a house or something like this. But what I realize now is that I think that's a really bad way to think about money. I think the best way to think about money is to rearrange priorities and to put the things on your list, that list of 10 that matter to you and your happiness, because then it's not painful because then you're making a conscious choice to, you know, go and do this thing because it's actually what you want. You're not trying to hurt yourself and self-deprecate. You're actually moving towards something. And I'll give you an example. Like we, I have this view that like coffees are like, unfairly picked on by budgeting experts like, like as, as a melbourne native so true. like they're like you it's also not, very melbourne of you babe yeah, is, yes it is but they're like you know you could not have that coffee and yeah, then it's just you know, always don't that have, line isn't it it's always, yeah, it's always that line. save on that one coffee and after 10 years you can have seven thousand eight hundred dollars wow and you're like okay but what we found when we surveyed our audience, we did a survey, Kate Campbell, my co-host and I, well, she drove the survey, but uh, there's about 300 respondents. And get this, she asked people, what are the things that bring you happiness? Like, what are the purchases that you've made that bring you happiness? And I think it was something like 70% of people had something coffee related, right? Like coffee with friends, coffee in a walk, making a coffee for my partner, waking up, having a coffee and reading the newspaper. And what I realized in that moment is a lot of people find value in that. And so once you know that you find value in coffee, spend on it, like 
do you know this idea of a guilty pleasure? I don't, I don't, I don't believe in that. So, um, yeah, I just think it's, I, I think when you frame what you want in life, the rest of it just falls in so neatly behind it. I think that's so important. Now, I will get into the some of the deeper nitty gritties of investing and and some strategies in there, um, some of the practical stuff. But I do want to just flesh it out with you for a sec. Like this whole, you've mentioned the hedonic treadmill a couple of times and the fact that we make money, buy a whole bunch of stuff that potentially is marketed and advertised to us and some of the exercises you've elicited already can be a massive antidote to that, which I believe is why you shared them as straight out of the gate um, as cornerstone pieces. But then, yeah, I just, it eludes me, Touchwood, why the conversation around freedom um, eludes people when it can be just, it's it's right there to be had, right? It's like you're making money, right? You have the opportunity to invest your money so that your money could potentially make money so that you don't have to trade your time for money anymore. I love freedom, <laughs> right? But yet people still question why they should invest and will continue to work themselves and 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 work themselves, and work themselves down, continue to trade time for money, and just ignore the conversation around investment in so many instances. Um, I just, I know it's an annoying, why? (laughs) Like you've got more experience in this space than I do. Can I just ask why? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, obviously like our, I think I'm not a, like a neuroscientist or anything like this, but, uh, nor am I a psychologist, but, I think that uh, all of our emotions, people, though. Yeah. yeah, I think all of our emotions are anchored to the present self, right? Like we don't feel hunger in seven days and seven weeks or um, like we feel hunger now. And so when we make decisions, we're making decisions based on that kind of like primal human nature that we have. And there's no shame in that. Um, but like, like Daniel Kahneman, who won the Nobel Prize for, Uh, in economics, it was basically for psychology, talks about this idea of having like system one and system two thinking or level one and level two thinking. And a lot of people, when we make decisions, we make decisions like uh, autonomously about and based on our emotions, like heuristics and these types of things. And these are the types of things that in our evolution have guided us pretty well. So, you know, uh, lion run towards me, me run away kind of thing. Um, Like, fruit food whatever um i'm hungry but when it comes to investing investing is a slightly different thing because it forces us to think long term uh, so we have to cast our mind forward to where we don't have the emotion and that's a quite a difficult thing to do because you have to think almost in terms of consequences so this is the system two thinking it's just it's the type of thing the way i frame it is this is the type of thing you can't think about when you're doing a left-hand corner in your car. If you could think about like the things that you're thinking about when you're driving in a car and um, you, you, you're just going about your daily routine, that's system one thinking. That's stuff that you can do pretty simply on the fly. Like, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? Or maybe I need to call grandma or whatever the thing is. But sitting down and actually thinking about like, what is investing? How am I going to get to a million dollars in 20 years? Like this requires some type of, Systems Math. to thinking, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. I've been yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's yeah, fair. So, 
you you require that type of thinking process and that's that's a harder thing to do and so we have to go from just purely emotional to more the logical um but in in general like if you think about it uh most of us go to school between the ages of say five and say 16 right no matter where you are in the world you go to school at that period of life now why do we go to school during that period of life and not 70 to 80 it's because we're supposed to learn what we need to learn at the beginning of life so we can benefit in the future uh it's and also neuroplasticity and all those things that we have to like our brains are more uh, i guess they're easily molded at that age but we have to think about those things and we have to do those things in the beginning so that it pays dividends in the future like i don't when i get my coffee in the morning and it's a really expensive coffee. There's one really expensive place in Melbourne that I go to. It's $7. I only go there once a week. Um, but if I pay $10, I know that I'm going to get $3 change, right? Um, and that's something that I've done based on the learning that I did years ago. So it's paid dividends, like the knowledge dividends, right? But we don't think about that. When we think about investing, we think about putting money in a bank account and letting it go there. Now, once you realize how powerful the share market is, which is where I spend a lot of my time these days. Once you realize how powerful the share market is, you realize that there's really nothing like it. Um, property in Australia um, and in select areas around the world, like Canada, uh, even some other major cities, has done incredibly well too. Uh, and so if we go back to like Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that book, if you're familiar with it, he talks about uh, building up the asset side of your personal balance sheet. So this is this idea of you you have like in a company, you have like the, the assets that it owns, but then you also have the debt. So things like a loan that it might have to fund its operations or whatever. We can transport that straight across to or port that straight across to an individual. So as an individual, we have assets like a property or shares or cash in the bank. And we also have loans and things like this. And a lot of people spend their time you know, with too many loans, so to speak, like too many debts, too many liabilities and not enough focusing on the assets. And once you realize that that math, which is kind of like, it's still in the system too, thinking like you actually just sit down and go, oh, okay, I have this much in my personal loan and I've got a car loan, it's finance, but I have a car here and I have a TV and I have a house. You realize that you just got to focus on the asset side of your your balance sheet. And it's actually quite, um, fun to, once you've realized like that's what I got to do. I just got to focus on that side of it. And um, a lot of people don't do that simply because they don't have the skills. Because once again, it, like the top of the show, we mentioned that no one talks about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so no, no one realizes that that's all it is. Uh, and there are many different ways that you can benefit once you've made that discovery. There's a few points in there. The first one being that I think it's really interesting that we um. Well, you mentioned the share the share market straight out of the gate because I, yeah, I can see the barriers that we have to, like, property in Australia has done this amazing thing where it just continues to yield, which is phenomenal, right? Um, and I love the idea that you mentioned, like, focus on your assets because we don't actually get rich by like and and and, I still, and this goes back to the point I was making before, but and I'll get over it in just a sec. <laughs> Which is like we continue to think that we'll get rich by upping what we do. Yeah, it's like 
I'm, you know, such and such, and I'll become executive such and such, and I'll become director of such and such, and, you know, I'll become CEO of such and such. What I will do will make me rich. But there is such, there's only so many CEOs, yeah? But you actually become rich through what you own, right? But you've got to be very careful that what you're owning is not a liability and is an asset, right? And actually has, I look at things now, and for rightly or wrongly, it's like, is this a money tree, right? Like, does this thing, like, (laughs) yield more money, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, versus like, you know, am I putting money in something that's going to bring back more money or is this like just a sink, you know, which is totally fine. Like you said, if it brings me joy, it's totally allowed to sink. Like I'm living, yeah. Um, but in that, like just that awareness and then you mention stocks and the share market. Now, maybe even with saying stocks and then conflating that with share market, I've probably maybe even already made a mistake there. Um, no, yeah, cool. Sorry. Awesome. Um but in that space, I've done a bit of a barefoot investor, I guess, here in Australia. Um, and he talks about how with a home, obviously, you've got to go to, you've got to save a deposit. And it's such a barrier, right? Especially if you want to avoid, like, you know, paying the insurance for the bank to protect them against them lending you money. LMI is, I, I'm still convinced it's a scam. <laughs> but, <laughs> but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, just the, the barrier to entry into the share market is significantly like, well, somewhat non-existent in, in many ways. Uh, you just get to invest in what you want. Now, before I get an idea in terms of what potentially we could invest in, I, I've always had this question. I wanted to ask someone, how the flipping daylights does the stock market, share market, continue to increase in yield like how does it like surely if it can't just be maybe i'm looking at a zero-sum game in my head that someone's losing out and maybe it is the unicorn that you were like you were mentioning it is and then there isn't Um, but i'd love to get that sort of cornerstone piece cleared up even if just for myself like how does it continue to yield returns year on year on year on year on year some years are more some years are less maybe some years it runs a loss but how does it do that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll explain that. But can I explain maybe like this idea of a cash flow quadrant really quickly? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yep. super yeah, useful, yeah. super useful. So, um, so in the this is again a Kiyosaki thing. The only reason I'm bringing it up is on my desktop here in front of me. I've actually got the, an image of his book. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> um, so it's all meant to be. So, <laughs> so. Um, so this was something that was popularized by him. But again, uh, it's pretty common. Um, you can go back to like the 1927. Uh, classic, The Richest Man in Babylon, which is a fantastic book that we give out for free at our events. Um, the the idea is that like, where else can you make money? So how else can you make money when you sleep than by investing? Like literally, how else could you make money right now without doing anything? Um, and you have to basically invest. So you have to be an investor either in your own business that has like, maybe you sell, like you have an e-commerce business where you sell things online and someone places an order overnight. Congratulations, you've just made money. Um, Maybe you have shares which pay dividends. So they're just like an income stream. Um, Congratulations. So you wake up in the morning. Like I woke up the other morning and I realized I was getting some dividends from Vanguard. I got an investment with them. Um, and then, okay, you, you wake up tomorrow and your tenant of your rental property has paid you income. Fantastic. So there are so many ways that we can, um, make money without actually doing anything. And at first, like the chains of habit are too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken at, in the beginning, when you start this process, 
you realize you're only getting a dividend of like $2 every three months, or you're getting a dividend of $500 every three months. And then you're like, okay, now it's starting to get interesting. And um, as you go on, they snow it snowballs and snowballs. But the, the quadrant that uh, Kiyosaki popularized was this idea of like, you have basically four sources of income. In the first source of income, you have your, your salary. So this is like typically you work nine to five and you earn whatever you earn. Then there's like this next quadrant, which is um, you're a consultant. So here you might take what you know from your work and you monetize in a different way. Maybe it gives you a bit more freedom, but you can probably charge a bit more because say if you're an architect, I use this as an example because it's easy to understand. You can work for someone, you'll probably make a pretty good salary because architects are pretty good job uh, in that respect. But then maybe you do something on your Saturday where you work for your own jobs and you do uh, things on the side. And you could do the same if you're a tradesperson or something like that. The third option is you start a business. Now, business comes with consequences. It comes with time, effort. If you're a male, probably hair loss like me, <laughs> something like this, right? And if in the third thing, <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Uh, it's probably, probably inevitable for both of us anyway, right? But... Um, but um, but the third thing is that like you start your business. And the fourth thing, which is really interesting, is you invest in someone else's business. So we've got these different things like salary, consulting, or like contracting. Um, you've got invest in someone else's business and you've got make your own business. Now, all of them have different consequences. But most people, I would say, spend far too much of their life only in one quadrant, which is the first quadrant. They spend so much of their life just working for someone and working harder and harder and harder. And like you said, there are only so many positions further up the tree or further up the ladder, which is great. But you can do the other things without a huge amount of risk to yourself. Like you can, if you want more income to save for a home deposit, you could try, you know, in the gig economy, driving for Uber or doing something different, like getting a part-time job on a Saturday morning where it pays a bit more or something like this. Or you could turn your hobby into something that makes money. That's what we call a side hustle. Um... Then if we go into, like obviously a full business is something that you want to take seriously and you want to plan out and you want to make sure you have experience in that domain before you launch the business. Um, but the, the fourth one is incredibly easy these days. Over the past 20 years, the minimum investment you've had to make has gone from thousands down to $500 down to like literally some investment platforms allow you to invest like one cent. It's crazy. And so you can become an investor virtually by the end of this podcast. Like you can, you can open an account within a matter of minutes, you could be set up and you could own a tiny little bit of a company. It's just, so now why does the stock market go up? So what the stock market is, is people are confused about it. It's be, what it actually is, is it's just a way to own businesses. It's that fourth quadrant. Like how do you buy a business that you don't need to run yourself? And that's literally it. Like I own shares of Apple for so many years because I love the product and I could see that more people were migrating to Apple and they still are to this day. And so I wanted to partake in some of that success. And so I bought shares in Apple using my brokerage account and I held those shares for many years and they did really, really well. And I benefited because I, as someone that had money, could effectively invest with the company and the company could then operate and grow and do all the things that it wanted to do and so on and so forth. Now, it's a really interesting thing. Like why does the stock market keep going up and why can no one guarantee that it's going to keep going up? It's because there's so many different things in the mix. In the first instance, we have human emotion. So the stock market goes up and down every day. 
And that's because people are just buying and selling. Like every day, there would be millions of different shareholders making a decision to sell their shares and investors looking to buy those shares. And each one of them thinks that they know something or they have a reason to buy it that the other person doesn't have. And that's what creates what we call volatility. It's where things go up and down. Now, the media, however, the media will try and tell you that there was a reason for that because they have a news cycle that they have to meet. So they, they'll say things like, the Dow Jones fell 2% today because President Biden made an announcement that he's going to eat this type of turkey this Thanksgiving, <laughs> right? Like they'll just make something up and they'll, they'll make it, it seems reasonable. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yep. turkeys for sure. Um, Correlation yeah. is not causation. <laughs> exactly, yeah. but, but what we see over time is, so, so what I mean to say is like in the short term, and by that I mean like even up to like two or three years being short term, we see that it's kind of the random gyrations of like what's going on with interest rates because that does have an impact on the stock market. Like if interest rates go up, your mortgage gets more expensive, which means you invest less. But it also means the the business that you're investing in may have a loan, which is now more expensive. Mm-hmm. So those those machinations are always in play, which is why we can't predict what the stock market will do one, two or three years into the future. We just can't know for certain. But what we do know for certain, um, and my data is probably about six months out now, but I went back and looked at 150 years of the stock market. And this was the US stock market where the data is a bit better than the Australian market. But what I found was that on average, the whole of the stock market increases profits by around 6 to 7% per year. So that's the average of the whole stock market. And so if you think about that, if all that happened, everything else was the same, but the stock market's profits increased 6 to 7%, you would expect it to go up because in 10 years, it will be worth more than it is today because the profits have gone up, right? And so why does that happen? And it happens, in my opinion, uh, because of this thing that we call capitalism. Normally, when we think of capitalism, we think of something really evil, like we think of something like people are out there trying to get us like Wolf of Wall Street, like someone's trying to rip us off capitalism, the banks, this type of thing. But really what capitalism is, is it's just a way for society to live in a way where people's needs are matched with the opportunity for someone to fulfill that need. So for example, right, I, I told you before that I, every Thursday morning, I go to this particular cafe in Melbourne I'm um, just before work, I get in really early and I go there and I just think about the world and what I'm going to do that week and month and whatever. And I pay $7 for a cup of coffee. Now I could go into my office. We actually stock the same brand of beans. Same blend. We, buy the, we buy the beans from that cafe and I could make it myself, but I do not. <sighs> right? so, so I am buying $7 beans, yeah. a $7 beans wrapped in a bit of soy milk, right? Yeah. Now for me, why do I do that? It's because I couldn't make the coffee as good as they do, right? So I'm willing to pay them $7 even if they take a good profit from it, right? And that is capitalism at work because I have the resource, which is my $7, and I'm willing to give it to them to make me something that I can't do there and then. And that is what capitalism is. And if there's a better cup of coffee that pops up next door, I will go and spend my $7 there. Or if it's the same type of coffee, but $6.50, I will go next door and I will spend my $6.50 there. And this allocation of resources is what 
is happening in the world around us. It's why we pay an electrician to come and fix our PowerPoint rather than just sticking our hand in there and getting electrocuted. It's why we drive on roads and we pay for our car's registration and the government pays for the roads, right? It's how our society runs. And what we tend to find, if you think about it, after you you understand this equation, is that the companies, like the, the coffee shop in my example, if a competitor comes up, they're not just going to roll over and die. They're going to try and find a better type of coffee or they're going to try and do it cheaper. And that, again, is like optimizing the world around us. And that is what you invest in. And you can go back and you can read books like Sapiens from Yuval Harari, which talk about like, well, what is a company? And a company is just a story that we tell and we all kind of agree on. Like at the end of the day, a company is nothing other than a story that we believe it exists. And that is how tribes were formed thousands of years ago. And it's how people coalesce. Like the reason people go and work at a bank every day is, of course, so they can get their their money. But the reason that they do it is because together they're stronger and they can build something that is stronger than any single individual can. And what you're doing as a shareholder is you're effectively just benefiting from all of these people having a common goal. And the stock market goes up because it solves more problems. And in doing so, all of those companies create more value for society. And every generation we get new companies on the stock exchange that solve new and more difficult and more interesting problems and so as someone who is thinking about this i expect to live for another 40 years if i don't well that's okay but if i live for the next 40 years i'm going to put my chips in the corner of the thing that is designed to solve the world's problems so that's what i do and it seems to have worked for 150 years and I hope it works for another 150 years. I love that. Thank you so much for taking the time to respond to that, bro. I really appreciate that. Now, from there, the the low-hanging fruit for someone like myself is, all right, I'm you're in the Apple ecosystem. I'm totally entrenched in the Alphabet Google <laughs> ecosystem. Yeah. I won't go to war with you over it <laughs> just here, just now. Because <laughs> I'm conscious what the uh, what the viewers will think of us if we <laughs> if we draw out the gloves. <laughs> um but um the key thing in there is is it is the easy place to start just you know a company you understand it a little bit, you understand its products. Um, is that an easy place to start? Like, can it really be? Cause I, I think back to, um, yeah, just Berkshire Hathaway and it could start with mm. peanut butter. <laughs> I love this yeah. peanut butter. And I could just start there. Um, yeah. is it really that simple or do you need to be able to understand a balance sheet, see who's in charge, understand business forces and et cetera, et cetera. Or can that just come down the line? Yeah. The wonderful thing about um, the stock market and investing generally is that it's open to everyone. Um, so it doesn't really matter where you are and what you want to do and what you want to get out of it. So um, I'll, I'll explain this in a few different ways. So it, it's, it's a great way to start. A great way to start is to focus on um, the companies that you know. And you mentioned Berkshire Hathaway, which is Warren Buffett's company, Warren Buffett being one of the richest people in the world and probably the most successful investor of all time, although there is someone with better returns. Um, now, in, in in this instance, investing in what you know is what he calls a circle of competence. And so if you and I both sat down and you looked at uh, Alphabet, who, who owns Google, 
um, that's a company which owns Google. Uh, and I looked at Apple because I'm an Apple user in Europe, Android user, for example, you would probably have a better opportunity at understanding what Google is working on versus I would have maybe a better opportunity at understanding what Apple is working on. And so this is the idea of familiarity. And if you're looking for a great book, Peter Lynch's One Up on Wall Street is a fantastic way to get started in that he talks about how his um, wife was able to find so many great investment opportunities. And he was, even though he's one of the most successful professional investors of all time, what he was doing was just paying attention to the world around him. Um, He was just looking at, um, they're like uh, stockings. I can't remember the name of them. They're like stockings or leggings that you would wear. And they used to come in an egg, like a little egg, like a kinder surprise, and used to get them at the checkout of the supermarket. And he realized, hold on a second, this is a company that I could invest in. And I think his wife was buying them at the time. And he invested in it. He made heaps of money, right? So it's just about like paying attention to what is in the world around you. And if you do go down this path, my number one piece of advice here would be don't invest heaps of money. Um, So a lot of people, when they start investing, they come onto a great idea and the curiosity that you get about the world is like intoxicating you all of a sudden realize like hold on a second i'm recording this through an apple macbook i use apple a lot i could just buy apple and you go hold on a second i'm using these set of headphones that come from this company like auto technica maybe i could invest i go through nappies every day (laughs) (laughs) and you're just like wow like all these great ideas and a lot of people make the mistake of just putting all their money in one thing if that's the case if that's what you're thinking of doing don't just start with the smallest amount of money for the first month, first three months, first whatever. And um, what we say to people is if like another reason that people want to invest is they might have say, I don't know, like say come into an inheritance or they get some sort of windfall, like a bonus at work and they've got 10 grand and like, okay, let's invest it. Let's do something sensible. And what they then do is they take the $10,000 and they invest it all at one time. Um, or they never invest it because they're just scared because they think oh, I'm going to put all this money in. I just say, just break it up. Like if I had $10,000, it was my first time. I would just do this fortnight. I would do $500 next fortnight, $500 and just keep going and going and invest in something different. Um, because the learning that you get from that experience, good or bad is really important. But if you were to put it all in right now and it fell 20% over the next two months, you would think that investing is like gambling. But if, for example, you put 500 in now and it fell 20%, but then the next 500 only fell 5% and then the next 500 went up 10%, you would begin to realize that what the share market is, is like a big balancing machine. Um, and so that would be my advice there. But I'll int- briefly introduce you to something without um, just confusing the situation. But most people around the world have um, a variation of something called like Marley Spoon, which is like a, a meal delivery thing that or HelloFresh which is something that you get at home, which is like, it's a recipe for five dinners already made and you just put the ingredients together and then you have like hamburgers or you have pasta or whatever. Now, wouldn't it be good if there was something like that in the stock market where instead of picking all the ingredients and going to the supermarket and getting overwhelmed, wouldn't it be good if there was a way to just buy the box? And there is. We call that an ETF, exchange traded fund. Yeah. Um, so some people confuse it with EFT. Yeah. It is not. The F is after the yeah. T. It's ETF. <laughs> yep. um, ETF or exchange traded fund. And these, I mentioned Vanguard's name earlier on. It's not necessarily like a recommendation, but Vanguard do a lot of these, as do many others throughout the world. And what it is, is you basically, instead of being like, okay, I like Apple, I like Google, which one do I pick? 
Now you could buy both of those shares. Like if you had a thousand bucks, you could split it straight in the middle. You could have half Apple, half Google, or you could invest in an ETF, which is just the basket of all of the shares put together. So this would be like for the US stock market, you can get an ETF that blankets the entire stock market and you can put 500 bucks in, for example, and you get a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit of all of those shares. That'd be Apple, NVIDIA, Berkshire, Tesla, Unilever, Johnson & Johnson, you name it, it's in there, right? And you can do that for virtually any type of investment in the world today. Um, and so what we advocate for at Rask is this like first focus on ETFs because it's an easy way to diversify basically straight away. Like one investment, you're diversified. Uh, whereas in the past, like 30 years ago, we didn't have these things called ETFs. So people just had to go along and buy different shares one by one. Sorry, just a sec. Uh, so you still wouldn't take your 10 grand and put it all into one ETF. You'd still take 500 bucks, put it into one ETF, and then maybe two weeks later, put it into another ETF, and then two weeks later, another ETF. Is that what I'm getting? Good clarification. So this is important. So if it was individual shares, I'd probably break it up and put it over 20 different shares in that example of $500 each, right? That's what's $10,000. But in the example of an ETF, I'd probably just pick three or four. I wouldn't feel the need to go and pick 20 different ones. And so I'd probably, I'd, but I'd still follow the same cadence. I'd still go like the, the break it up a bit. Um, maybe not in $500 increments, maybe it's $1,000 increments or, or yeah, two and a half or something like that. Yep. But spread it out over a number of months. Don't do it all at once. I remember my first investment um, was in an Australian company called Telstra, which is our biggest telecommunications, like AT&T or whatever overseas. Um, I remember I put like an unusually large amount of money. So I started with about $10,000 that I'd saved up, maybe a little bit more. I can't remember exactly. But I put a lot of it in Telstra. It was like 80% of my portfolio because I didn't know what to invest in. ETFs weren't as popular as they are now. And I was like, I'll just put most of it in this thing, which I think I know. Right. Um, and fortunately for me, I think it went from like $2 a share to like $2.70 or something. So I felt like a genius. Right. I was like, whoa, look at me go. Um, and that was only within like a year. And I was like, holy heck, look, geez, I must be good at this thing. Yeah. Um, and then I subsequently lost a lot of money on different things. But, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but I, if I had my time again, I would have stuck with an ETF. Um, but what I say to people too, if you are curious about the world and you do have a view on whether Apple is better than Google, Google's better than Microsoft, or Microsoft's better than Tesla or whatever, do that as well, but don't make that as big a part of the portfolio. So if you have 10 grand, you might put 80% of it in three or four different ETFs. So like say $2,000 each. And then the last $2,000, split that up over all of the different shares that you, like individual companies that you want to own. So maybe there's a bit of Apple and there's a bit of Google and there's a bit of Tesla and there's a bit of... Berkshire Hathaway and in Australia maybe there's a bit of Telstra or maybe there's a bit of I don't know uh well Afterpay is no longer in Australia but um because it was bought out by a US company but say BHP or Commonwealth Bank or something like this like mix it up a bit and the reason why I say to do that is because there's something different that happens when someone owns an individual company I can't still put my finger on it but when someone owns an ETF they kind of get a basket right it's like if you get the HelloFresh or the Mali Spoon example where you get like the, the meals made for you or like ready for you to be put together, you will get a taste of everything, which is great. But let's say, for example, no, I do like, I don't know, carrots, right? Or burgers. 
don't be afraid to double down on that because that's the thing that you want and you're interested in. So you will, and you will learn something about how burgers are made and how this is made and whatever by doing that. It's, um, sorry, I was like, I don't bring my bro science into the conversation, but it's kind of like when you go to the gym and you like, you can do like a deadlift and you can all of a sudden like really like you get it like, and that's what I'm picturing the ETF to be. But then at some point you can literally just isolate your hammy and just do a curl on like one of those machines and you can go, oh, that's really what it feels like to engage my hamstring. And then maybe there's just some trickle down economic benefits from having that awareness from the investing in a single thing just to really understand the nuts and bolts of what's going on. You've got more of a palpable feeling for it. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you another example. That's, and that's a good one, mate. I like that. Um, I'll give you another example. It's like if I was investing for kids and I do invest for my younger sister, um, I would invest in some ETFs for her um, but I wouldn't make that the thing that I tell her about. Like when I try and bring her into the conversation around like, Hey, this is what we're investing in for when you turn 21. And, um, this is how it's performed. And then she comes back to me and says, Oh, great. Like I saw this in the news or whatever. And she's only 12 or 13, but she's really switched on with the stuff. And I wouldn't, if I just went in and be like, Hey, this is what your whole of the U S stock market did today. She wouldn't be that interested. So what I do is I try and educate her. And I have this advice for all parents and grandparents or anyone that's trying to educate the next generation. It's just pick something that appeals to them. Yeah. Like don't like you can buy shares in Roblox or you can buy shares in Nike yeah. or you can buy shares in Apple. Yeah. You don't have to just pick the faceless kind of ETF mm. box analogy Pick the thing that actually is interesting to them. A and connection for long exactly. Relationship. And it's the same thing for hu- like adult humans mm. as well. We, we kind of draw those connections with things in our life. And um, so that's like a, an instance of where rationally yep. it makes sense to use the ETF for everything. But also starting out building a connection to the process and building a bit of a romance with exactly. it so you can stay in it long term. Yeah, find exactly. things you love as well. Perfectly. Before so I... Nice um, let you go there's there's lots of these apps and yeah that are available that can help you sort of even mimic other people's investments etc 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 um there was a whole conversation actually that's just sort of dropped in which i was meant to have i made a note on it it's like the treachery of online investing (laughs) and there's just like so many scam artists online bro and then there's like you know someone like yourself which is literally trying to provide like financial education (laughs) and then it's like you i'm sure at some point you get lopped in with all the other like oh yeah he's another guy but anyway we didn't get chance to have that conversation maybe next time um But in there, one of the key things I wanted to touch base on just so that someone actually has actionable steps to take away from here and I'm conscious of how little time we have left, I'm aware I can just go to NAB or Commonwealth Bank and just open up a ComSec account and just go boom, like I just want an an opportunity where I can just buy shares from, you know, can you just open up this additional account um, within my current set of accounts? Um, Super easy, super straightforward. Is that what you recommend someone do or do you find apps are super useful? They take a cut for every transaction you do, right? So your Mm. thoughts on the two and the best way to approach because now we sort of know what to invest in, just the early stages of the how. Um, yeah. 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 So a lot of people will come away from this chat and still feel like, like, I don't know exactly how to do it step by step. And, um, that's where it just does take a little bit of time. So give yourself a grace period. It's okay. You probably won't know for sure until you've maybe consumed a month of this type of content. Um, some people come up to us, like I had one lady uh, in Perth, which is in the Western side of Australia, for those of you that are not from the country. Um, and she said, I've been following you guys for years and I still haven't invested. And I was like, okay, what's holding you back? <laughs> um, so I kind of unpacked that with her, but I think, 
that's a, what you just said is a great way to get started. Like if you pick a, an online brokerage, that's what we call them, brokerage account. Um, most of them are free to open, whether you're in Australia or overseas, they're free to open. So don't be afraid to open a few of them and just realize how they work and get a feel for them. Now you can check with like, if you just Google, like I think the SEC has a list of this in the U S in Australia, um, we have ASIC, A-S-I-C, and basically all of these different platforms or apps need to be regulated. So obviously good online etiquette is don't just click on the ad or the random email that you get um, and follow the hyperlink. Actually go to the web address directly um, and make sure that they have like that they tick all the boxes. But I think those things are great. What you mentioned, like in Australia, some of the biggest brokerage platforms we have, are Comsec, you mentioned NAB. Uh, there's another one called CMC Markets. We have Stake. Perla, full disclosure, is a sponsor of our program. Selfwealth is another sponsor of our programs. Um, and so all of these are regulated here in Australia. Um, overseas, you have like Charles Swab, Interactive Brokers. Uh, these big players um, are very well versed in how to deal with people's money. Um, so that's where you would go and you would open an account. Um, and depending on which one you go with, there are certain things that you should take note of. Just read the, the terms and conditions. Um, but for the most part, as long as they're regulated, you're kind of putting yourself on a good footing. What I would what what I would say is just spend the next month, go and subscribe to a podcast or go and listen to a YouTube channel that talks especially about this type of thing. And maybe even a couple of them and just listen for 10 minutes a day or a week. Just listen about what they're saying to what they're saying. And you'll realize that everyone has something different to say. But you will pick up things like what's safe and what's not. And if you're confused, there's always financial advisors. Like I, I qualified as a financial advisor um, through one of my degrees. And that was where I was destined to go, to be honest. But what I realized is that most financial advisors can't handle more than 100 to 150 clients at any one time. And I wanted to help more people. So I went down this. Education. Yeah, exactly. But like there are many brilliant financial advisors, uh, whether you're young or old. They're worth their their weight in gold, so heavily regulated, which is a good thing because then it means that they they have, to they have a certain yeah. certain standard of education, right? So follow a few of them, see what they say, and you'll see the same thing repeated. And if you want any more really good information, um, even check out websites like I mentioned Vanguard earlier on. Another one's called BlackRock. Um, these types of websites are really good sources of investment information as well. Also, some really great sources of investment information are your four podcasts. <laughs> we will put them in the show notes below. Yeah. And uh, guys, I'll put some links to, um, well, Rask Education, Owen's, uh, Owen's courses as well. One of the things you will find is that actually the testimonials on the courses are beyond glowing. People have said things like this course has given me more than I've paid for courses in the past and I've gotten more out of this free course. And I think we were discussing this earlier, all your courses are free, mate. So we'll put a link to all of that in the show notes below. And mate, I've got to thank you for your time here today. Thank you so much for doing that. But also I know it's been up, down and all around your own journey, um, things we're running from and things we're running to. And yeah, thanks for staying hungry for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Likewise, mate. Thank you for everything that you do. I really appreciate yeah. it. You do a great job. So thank you so much for having me on the program. It's an absolute pleasure, man. And uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. 
Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.